It's just this realization that you've got to plan the game well. You've got to adjust the game well. You can never become too emotionally distracted by the game so that it takes you out of your happiness. Your business is a game to serve your life. And so many of us get caught in my life serves my business. I'm always trying to catch up. I'm always taking belly punches. It's emotional and where you just got to stop and realize this is a freaking game. Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. We're back with 2022's first Business is Messy episode, featuring our two fearless leaders, Brian Nolan, managing partner of Nolan Consulting Group, and Kevin Nolan, partner at Nolan Consulting Group and CEO of Nolan Painting. Suffice to say, new year, more problems. 2022 has kicked off with its own set of challenges and follow-ups from 2021. From the Omicron surge to snowstorms, decision-making tactics, material price increases, the hours gain, and more. Brian and Kevin discuss what's happening in the day-to-day of the contracting world, the impact these challenges are bringing, and the ongoing fight to stay mentally prepared and to keep expecting the unexpected. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. All right, Kevin Nolan, we're back. Molly, thanks for that introduction. Kevin and I are back for another episode of Business is Messy, uh, where we try and clean up the mess. Kevin usually dishes out a lot of messes. Sometimes uh, I, I think Kevin likes messes. because uh, I, I, I think Brian thinks he can fix them. Well, uh, I think Kevin likes messes because it, it, he's the problem solver. And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, now, not many people solve problems better than Kevin. Oh, well, thanks, Brian. Thanks a lot. Well, you know, we jumped on and we immediately started talking about problems. And like Molly was like, stop, 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 stop. Let's gotta, we've got to put this, this got to get recorded here. That's the whole idea. And so, we, so when you said we're back, we're back to where we were just a few minutes ago. Which well, was, yeah, we're, we're back. The uh, snow is back. So let's, let's just start there. I mean, we yeah. woke up this morning and where's everybody going? Yeah. And how's that We got about four you? inches of snow, which was just enough to throw a wrench in the works. Um, I had to get both my properties plowed. Um, and I was getting phone calls about the fact they weren't plowed yet. And I still have people not on jobs yet. Um, so not a huge deal. Last February, we had four snowstorms and it crushed the month. Um, so hopefully we don't have anything like that. But it is a, another thing. Another well, busy- I mean, the biggest thing that everybody's talking about, everybody's trying to figure out is this Omicron and uh, you mentioned how many people do you have off with Omicron? So we're, we're about 30% of our people off yeah. from Omicron right now, 25 to 30. And we're having about 25 to 30% of our jobs move, postpone, or cancel. Um, I mean, so that's messy, right? That's oh messy. So, you know, it's January. After it's the the me- in, in reality, it's the messiest it's ever been. But there's a sense that it's very short-lived. So I, I feel that. I, I feel like there's... There, that there's this wave, this this sort of tsunami that's going to yeah. hit the sh- it's hitting the shores, and then it's going to settle back down. And most people are not getting it seriously. Uh, yeah. And uh, but it is a serious short term situation. This one is is part of this issue with this topic of planning, Kevin. Business planning. How do you plan in uncertainty? That's probably the hardest thing here. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, you certainly can't plan much for this type of situation other than to realize that it will be over, like you just said, and not to let this chaos that's happening now influence the, the longer term plans that we're trying to do for the rest of the year. Because if you do believe, like everything we're reading, that it's going to be over 
in a couple of three, four weeks, maybe by the beginning of February. So January is going to be hopefully a, a, a bad blip on our, on our map for this year, on our, on our, the fact is we're not going to probably hit our numbers for January. Not a great way to start off the year, but uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not overly pessimistic because I do think it's short term and Hey, we can stand anything short term and we've got reserves and I think financially we'll be able to handle it, but it could be, it could be, you know, just the worst month we've ever had in terms of against goal. Uh, I think the real uh, takeaway in the planning aspect is it's not about the plan. It's about the planning. It's about the ability to pull together a team and, and do like an environmental assessment, situation assessment, what's happening, how we got to, going to respond. I mean, that, that's the one thing that as, as you plan succession that I think about is, you know, who, who, you know, your team becoming, taking the, the, the ability you have to look at this. I'm giving him a second compliment in like five minutes, the ability for him to, for you to emotionally grab a situation without becoming a deer in headlights. And, And as we talked about in the past, for like 15 minutes, you're a crybaby, and then and then uh, you get over it and you move forward, right? I guess I'm not really crying this time, though. Um, the I, like I said, I, I this is kind of like a bad storm that we're having here, whether it's a snowstorm this morning or whether it's just this whole crazy month. I don't know that anybody's lived through anything like this before, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely optimistic about the year. Um, given the fact that it's going to have a lot of limitations, like, like I've been talking about with my team and with other, other folks that'll listen that, that um, two things we know about this year outside of COVID, we don't know it'll disappear, but we're thinking it will. But two things we know for sure is that um, we're going to have a high demand for our services um, because of, and part of the reason is because there's the other thing we know for sure is that the labor shortage is going to be there indefinitely. So, I mean, I read an article the other day, which is very compelling, that there's going to be a labor shortage for at least the next 10 years, Yeah. which, you know, okay, so what do you do with that information? Once again, that, do you get all depressed about it or do you, do you start putting your plan around how you're going to react to that? And there is a lot you can do with the fact that there's a, going to be a labor shortage. And well, you know, the best thing that I saw you do, and I'm, and I'm, I'm coaching others to do now is is not focus on top line, focus on bottom line. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, because uh, fortunately, it's also a contractor's market. I, we've talked about it. It's an employee market and it's a contractor's market. Uh, so I don't know. We've market. never been able to charge as much as we're charging and yeah. get it without without customers giving us pushback. Never before have we been able to charge. So, so this is really the uh, opportunity to. Um, Make sure your salespeople get into uh, a new price mentality that because uh, they've always been at 60 or 65 or 70. But this is a time to raise the level of what it means to be a contractor. And you can do more with, with less employees. So I think that's key. I mean, yeah. you had one of your most profitable years last year and you had lower revenue uh, yep. and you had an average of what, 80 guys, something like that, Kev? No, never even got that high. Um, it was that high for the beginning of the year, and then it got lower than that. We never got to 80 after the middle of the summer. Um, maybe our average was about 75, 74, right. which, which um, without COVID, that's where we still are. Um, and 
we were hoping to get to 105 and pre-COVID we were at 137. So you can see it's been pretty dramatic. Um, but nonetheless, um, yeah, somehow we did 11.1 million, a little over 11.1 million with uh, an average of about 77 feet on the street. And in 2019, we did 12 million with an average of like 112 feet on the street. So I mean, that's, that's a case to really reinvent and, uh, and ride this uh, situation the best that you can. I mean, theoretically, if you had less people, you'd have less people problems, right? So at the end of the day, this, it can't be terrible if you can get less more messes to clean up, right? Yeah. Less messes. If you can raise your rates and get growth out of raising your rates, isn't that what we're trying to achieve anyway, is just to, to get more growth. But now we're getting growth by having customers pay more for our services. Increase your prices by 5%, you get 5% growth right away. Totally, totally. Let's just talk for a minute about um, how you're cleaning up the labor shortage mess what your strategy is uh, just a little so, bit you know, I've, I've been talking approach. about it a long time but high schools are where we're going and we're we're definitely i've got a task force working now on getting into we've identified about uh, i think it's about 20 high schools and we've got them broken up among two of our salespeople, and they're going to spend the first six months of this year they're incentivized to um, get into the schools and we've had some success already um, getting involved in some um, career days and interview days going forward. Um, we've got a couple programs that we're offering schools. Uh, one of them is a work study program and um, we're advertising that. We've developed a microsite. So anybody that can, we can send someone to our work study program and they can see what we're offering. And then we are also offering obviously for when they graduate, and this is really what we want, obviously, but when they graduate from high school, um, that we have a, a, a job path for them. You know, I'd say career path, but I, that's too big a word for them. No one knows that they want to be a career painter. Um, but if we tell them, show them how they can get to 18 and $20 an hour within a year, year and a half, um, and we show that to, with benefits and paid time off and all the other good things we offer, we, and we show that to students, teachers, administrators, and parents. And we do that um, fairly aggressively, micro-targeting um, high schools. Uh, we think we'd have success because every year, 500 to 1,000 students might graduate from a high school, you know, and we think we can get a few of them. Assistant principal told me the other day he thought he could get me 10. So, I mean, I talk is cheap, but... Um, he followed up to an email I sent him and he's, he's going to basically be an advocate for us. So we're going to sponsor events at schools. We're going to sponsor proms and soccer teams and, and clubs and get on some of their radio and TV stations. Some of them have that stuff, um, do geofencing and I'm putting a huge effort into it because that's where our laborers are going to come from in the future. You know, you said something that I, that. I think uh, needs to be repeated. You said micro-targeting, and uh, what I'm seeing is a movement away from a um, a passive recruiting strategy to more of a sales recruiting strategy. And I'm seeing some clients actually hire prospectors slash recruiters. Uh, it's really the same type of a skill needed to reach out and uh, and build build relationships, find accelerators. And um, so it's, it, it's not the human resource uh, uh, 
coordinator that has the skills generally to do this, if it is yeah. to reinvent themselves, you've got to go out there and you got to win the labor game. There's a labor war and you're not going to win it on Indeed and Craigslist. No, I don't think so. I think, I think all these students that graduate, incidentally, they have a very short time span. They don't think ahead. No high school student that's not going to college is thinking about what job they're doing when they get out or very few anyway. Uh, because they're thinking about this Friday night and things. So we just want to be there when they graduate. Literally, I was joking that, that on graduation day, we'll, we'll be outside with megaphones at all these schools saying, come work for us, get free prizes, and give away, give away swag and stuff like that. But I, something, I have a vision of something similar to that, That's... marketing and really getting, getting, picking a couple of schools and saying, I'm going to get people out of this school. I mean, that, so that, that seems like out-of-the-box thinking that I think everybody should be sitting around uh, being as creative as they can and brainstorming what's the way we can attract these people. There's a lot of people crying victim here. Uh, there's not enough employees. It, uh, they, they don't show up. I, I have interviews that people don't come. I hired them. They don't show up on the first day. Yeah, well, that's the problem. What's the solution, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Accept the numbers and get a, a aggressive I, I've always said this, if you didn't have any leads for business, you'd be sitting around the room and you'd be brainstorming. Yeah. What do yep. we do? Knock on doors, call customers, this and that. Well, this is the situation. It calls for different weapons. How has this affected uh, culture, Kev, and how is it impacting the training programs that you're doing this year, bringing in all these unskilled high school people? Oh, well, so what a mess. I mean, I don't have them here yet, so it hasn't you know, affected culture yet. But the question is, how will it affect culture? And we've always brought in people in the spring, so that's not different. Um, they're younger now because we're looking at 18-year-olds, right, and not 20-year-olds. Um, but we're, gonna, we're at this point, most of my – I have very few apprentices on my company, which is strange. I mean, 10 years ago, I had more apprentices than I did leaders, and now it's the opposite. Um, so it's really bad in, in terms of how I, how I think it's going to affect culture is I've been conditioning and talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. So, you know, like any of these ideas, you have to socialize, uh, socialize these ideas so that they know that they're coming and that they don't, uh, they don't fight it. They've heard it before. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we're, we've been a training organization all along. We've been able to train apprentices into painters and do it quickly. And so we're going to just capitalize on that fact. That's the one piece of the equation that we actually have together is that training and the culture piece. So now I just need the inputs from the, from the people to, to get into the system. Um, but our goal is to get, believe it or not, our goal is to get like 20 high school recruits this year. I have, I have two, two salespeople. I've been able to take my salespeople and just do wonderful things with them over the last year turning them into project managers when the time called for it. And now turning, I have Chris Nolan and Alex Bell, the, the two youngest um, salespeople, uh, both, by the way, painting experience. So both college graduates and have painting experience and now salespeople for me. So they, uh, then they're young. So they speak the, the language that would be, you know, that would be, that would be appropriate for young people. Um, the whole TikTok stuff. And doing all that stuff, we're going to be super duper aggressive in that area. And I'm absolutely certain I'm going to have success. Nice. And, and your, your uh, team, your leaders are ready 
culturally to accept yeah. uh, unexperienced people. Just to note, this is not something that is widespread. I've, I've been saying and sort of screaming from the mountaintop that uh, the biggest impediment to tr training is not a structure. Heck, we can give you a plug and play system. Yeah. Uh, the biggest impediment is the, the leads, uh, crew leads, the uh, job leads, endorsing it, understanding it's a critical part of their job, that they're getting evaluated by it. And frankly, that culture is owned by the, owner, the uh, CEOs. They need to make sure people know what matters to them. They need to recognize it because the, the crew leaders are looking at the owners saying, what's most important to you? And it's still been bringing jobs in on time, bringing jobs mm. in on, on time. So right. it's transactional. And until owners start saying, uh, oh, yeah, but we, this can't continue unless we have a training culture to bring people up. And in fact, even balance the wage on a crew so we don't have all $26 hour guys. Sure. Well, you know, part of the thing is, is just uh, CEOs have to be consistent and they have to keep talking about the important things over and over again. They can't change ideas from, you know, month to month and expect that that the team's going to come along. So, yeah, we've just been consistently saying the same message over and over again. We're going to recruit from high schools. We're going to recruit from high schools. And, you know, maybe they think, oh, he's been talking about this for a long time and he really hasn't had much success at it. But they haven't been around long enough to really look at our track record. You can be sure that we'll have success at this. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we admittedly yet. We have not put all the pieces together, but uh, we've had headwinds, right? Because COVID has affected high schools and COVID has affected the way kids learn and the way they're socializing and their, their ability to participate in sports last year and their ability to participate in social events this year. Um, so there's been some headwinds, but once, we, once these headwinds die down, I will be happy to report to you in one of these podcasts that we've had tremendous success. So ask me in July, how many students I recruited? Challenge. Challenge. Okay, you, you can count on us circling back there, Kev. Okay. Count on, let's, let's transition to materials, material shortages. What a mess. Uh, material increases. Some of the big event, uh, uh, you know, suppliers are raising double-digit increases well hey aren't they doing the same thing that we're saying to to our clients that we should be doing they're doing the exact same thing they are and, you yep. know frankly I, i've got to do that too i mean nolan consulting hasn't raised a prices in really ever on existing members and um i've got a mess there by the way because i can't afford the raises that i'm giving so i've got i'm going to be forced to give some price increases kev I think it's important to regularly raise your price, particularly when the climate says that you can, um, and not do such big raise, but do it, you know, do it often, like incremental price increases over time, as opposed to one big price increase. Because we're so going to do the one manufacturer this week said there was going to be a twelve percent price increase. Um, last year there was there was a number of price increases. Not one of them was twelve percent. They were all. They probably, they might've added up to 12%, uh, but that 12%, boy, that's a kick in the teeth. It sounds like a really, just a number I can't even get my head around. Um, and now, of course, my rep is telling me that he may be able to modify that down a few few points or whatever. But um, yeah, my recommendation is to everybody on the call, including us, is to 
incrementally raise prices um, little bit by little bit by little bit so that the, the, the pain isn't felt quite as much. You know, I've, I've, I've talked with um, the, the paint uh, suppliers about this increase and with uh, Sherwin-Williams, the, the recommendation is to really have uh, conversations with, with your local sales rep and uh, pick certain uh, materials, certain paints that, that you might use more that you, you can negotiate a more favorable price with. Um, and uh, they'll, they'll be willing to work with you on, on specific products. Yeah, I don't think the answer is to, is to get mad and be defensive. I mean, no. they're, I mean doing they're, the exact, to, yeah. they're doing the right thing. I mean, Sherwin-Williams is doing the right thing and they're obviously an established business and that's why they're doing it. I don't love it. I hope I can mitigate it, but I understand it. So um, it's just, this is where we're at right now. We're at a period of inflation um, and we're also at a period of tremendous instability with shortages and we're being hit by them, but we also need to take advantage of them Yeah, um, and use them. I want to move to uh, what I think is a mess um, in a lot of small companies is uh, how we make decisions, decision-making in general, decision-making as a, as a process. Um, it's messy. And, you know, how even getting into how do we increase sales rate? How do we get people to get them on board? Um, and, I mean, this is even happening in my own company and I, I learned from it. And uh, I think companies, leaders often start talking about issues and they haven't identified who the decision maker is on a team because you want to cascade that down and everybody's debating and sometimes they walk away with no decisions what you have to get good at as a small business is, is making decisions. Mm. You've got to get good at making them. And then you've got to get good at communicating them. And um, so, Kev, how are you pushing down decision-making as you uh, are trying to build leaders for your departure? Yeah, so it's actually, it's, it's interesting in that context because, you know, it was pretty easy a couple of years ago when, it was clear that I would make the decisions and there was a, there was a way I made them. I mean, I didn't just make them because I said so. I made them because I, I would, you know, solicit advice. I would uh, socialize ideas. I would get general consensus. I wouldn't make consensus the governing body. I just would try to get consensus and win people over to my ideas. And sometimes I couldn't do that. And so then I would make my decision based on the fact that this isn't going to go over well. Um, but nonetheless, you, you, you make the decision or not make the decision and, and move on. And it was pretty clear that ultimately I was going to be the one. And now I am changing that. Um, and, um, you know, I, a year ago, I wasn't talking about, you know, retiring or when I'm gone. Uh, but now we're a year closer. Um, I'm, I'm, under, I'm under three years. And as I tell them, um, in a year or so, you'll say, he's already retired. And that's because I won't be there. I won't be retired yet, but I won't be there because I'll be doing other things. Because my goal is to is to gradually move away from the business over the next three years, not to go to three years and then leave one day. Uh, that would be um, that'd be shocking for people. So why not start the process now, um, giving me more more freedom? Um, it's mostly I, I talk a lot of times in terms of like theory. I to then practice it, which is a lot harder. Um, but, um, yeah, like, 
it's Friday. I'm not in. I'll be working from home today for a couple hours here, but I'm deliberately not in. I could easily be in. Being in would also be, would probably be more comfortable. But at the same time, um, people will start to see the, the office empty, the lights not on, and they'll start to make little decisions. In fact, Connell already told me he made a decision on his own this morning because he, he couldn't get a hold of me. He called me, but I was on another call. And he said, well, I went ahead and made the decision, had the place plowed. I was like, fine, good move. Um, that's what I would do, <laughs> you know? So, um, so just, and I, I told him it was a good call. So um, letting people know that certain, that it is their decision, um, I think is important. Um, and to talk about the decision process, like you're saying, who is making this decision? Um, whether the, we have a new safety manager who's terrific, um, and he's from Houston. And I think this might be the first big snow he's ever seen in his life. I don't know. He might have, and it isn't big. It's, it's four inches of snow, but for him, it's big. And he, I think he's ready to shut down, or at least he would be if he didn't have some guidance. Um, he'd be ready to shut down the operations because heck, if it's snow on the ground, naturally not a safe driving, right? Um, we actually had an accident this week. It wasn't our fault, but someone slid into the back of our truck on an icy morning. Um, those things do happen when it's icy and snowy. Uh, but as I have said before, like in February, we, we had four snowstorms and we lost money in February, last February, because we shut down four days. So we don't want to shut down. Yeah. So, so basically, we have decision-making process now in place for how we're going to make that snow call which will be yeah. over the next month of issue. Um, and we're letting the field managers make those decisions themselves. That's, that's outstanding. I mean, that's, that's extreme ownership. That's cascading leadership. That's getting yeah. people to, that's, that's the uh, comment that Jared Bias often says, where he says uh, responsibility without authority leads to disengagement. So you give people responsibility, then you give them the authority and you get engagement. Um, I want to speak to this subject as a leadership team and all, all your executive team, management teams out there. Um, I think it's really important that before you can really become an effective team, you understand your decision-making model. Um, and uh, so get really good at articulating the issue. And then before you go into debate, articulate uh, whose decision this is. Catherine and I have done a decision in Matrix where we have identified all the various decisions that could be made. And I've had to get very comfortable uh, um, pushing those down and not being the one to say, I make all the, the decisions around here. Um, and then having debate uh, and, um, and then having the person make that in a consultative decision-making manner. So I, I mentioned that before, because I think uh, decision-making is still weak in many of our companies and I'm working on making it better in my own company. Uh, so let, let's move on to um, expect the unexpected. So um, what's going to, what could come your way this year, Kev, that's going to be a belly punch and how might you prepare for that? Any audits uh, coming your way by governmental agencies? Any? Yeah, uh, I'm currently being audited right now by the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Revenue. Um, and it looks like I'll have some fines and penalties, even though I don't know how that's possible because I'm not supposed to collect. It's, it's mostly about sales tax and we don't have sales tax on painting services. 
but apparently we have sales tax on holiday lighting and I hung holiday lighting for four years. And when they, they're doing the audit, uh, we have $400,000 worth of revenue that we were supposed mm -hmm. to collect sales tax on. We know this ahead of time because we have our accountant, um, you know, working on the case and um, our accountant's charging us about $20,000 to manage the audit. Um, and then there's also going to be the fines and penalties from this, assuming they don't find any other weird things. Um, uh, we're also supposed to charge it on power washing when it's a standalone project. Um, so there's fines and penalties on some of those jobs, but um, shouldn't be too bad, but it's another, <laughs> another day in the playground. Um, so I don't expect it. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think you're always going to have these kind of issues that pop up and you just have to realize that's what the business is all about. It's just uh, it's like it's like that game. It's like the game Monopoly where you roll on the dice, you land on chance or community chest, you pick up the card. They tell you what just happened to you. You know, something happened, pay every player $50 or something happened, collect $200. So um, there's definitely a part of the business that is always unexpected. And really, if you're strong in your decision making and in your planning, and some things we've already talked about in your culture and all, you know, you'll, you'll watch. I mean, I think that they'll watch me the way I've made some of these things. Like when bad things happen, I just realize that they're just another thing. And I've often said nothing's neither good nor bad, but only thinking makes it so. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to pay something for that audit. But at the end of the day, uh, we have profits built in through the year. So I think we're going to be optimistic about um, our chances. You, you mentioned something uh, that sort of resonated with me. You said it's just another day in the playground, in the, mm -hmm. in the playground and in the sandbox. And it, um, I, I remind people often, and I do, I do self-talk around this, that business is really, business is a game. It's a game. It's probably why I, I like what I do so much is I get to play, I get to play, you know, five or six games each day with different businesses and understand. And you really have win. nothing to lose, do you? <laughs> well, no, I, I want to win the game. So it's interesting. I, I've got a competitive edge to me, so I don't like losing. So if I'm working with a client who's losing, uh, then I'm like, I mean, maybe that's what makes us different. People, people tell us that um, NCG is different because we care. Um, and we do care because we're yeah. we're in your game and we're playing your game. And there's going to be, you know, landing on on tax, pay, pay a usage tax on, on this. And uh, you're going to your rent's going to go up because someone's doing something. And, um, and someone's going to someone's going to quit and leave that you didn't. And want. Someone's going to quit. We just lost a uh, coach. We actually rallied pretty well um, and, and we're making it work. But it, it's a, it's just this realization that. You've got to uh, plan the game well. You've got to adjust the game well. You can never become too emotionally distracted by the game so that it, it takes you out of your happiness. I mean, how many times in a game as a kid did you like lose your cool? Like, that's it. I quit or do over uh, something like that. And you, you realize, ah, it's just a game. And, you know, we, we did a lot of primary aim stuff this year. Um, it's relevant because your business is a game to serve your life. And so many of us get caught in my, my life serves my business. I'm always trying to catch up. I'm always taking belly punches. It's emotional. And 
where you just got to stop and realize this is a freaking game. It is. The, 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 I guess the only real difference between this and some of those board games or whatever game you're talking about is, so you have to win this game. Um, and the other thing is, generally speaking, it could be a game where your whole team wins. Like, it's not just you. It's your whole team has to win the game. And you have to win. I mean, you can take a couple of losses, like the things we just talked about. But it, if you don't, if you're not winning, you're you're losing, and you can't stay in business, really. So, and let, let's be clear: it's not always just rolling the dice. You've got control over the game. You're yeah, going to you have crap hit you, but you make, you adjustment. make adjustments. If right. you, you know, it's a game of players. Okay, you got pieces on the board, right. and some of the players, if they're weak, you just don't have to accept that. You, you do something about it. You can make those. If you don't, the game beats you. But you yeah. beat the game when you know what you control. You, yeah. And you have the ability to, to handle emotionally what you can't control. Um, yeah. And that's vital. And you have to make some, sometimes that requires making some tough decisions and tough changes. Uh, we're doing a restructuring of our senior management team. I've talked to you about it, Brian, already. And we're, we're moving some positions around. I won't get into details on this call, but it's, it's not easy. And, um, but it's the right thing to do, uh, to restructure, to move people's roles around as things change. Uh, we're all reading the book, Good to Great. I've got about uh, 15 people reading that book and reporting out on it over the next uh, two months because we, we think we want everybody to, to report out on some aspect of it. And we... We're doing all this on Zoom calls, but we we want everybody to really um, understand the concepts in that book. Um, but I don't know about everybody else that's reading the book, but when I read it now, um, I first read it in the early 2000s, um, and I remember seeing it on the um, on the on the nightstand of a CEO of a huge uh, financial company that that is in our area. And I'm, then I went, I stopped at, um, at Borders Books on the way home and picked it up, which Borders Books now is out of the business, as we know. Um, but I, I got the book and I read it. And when I read it now, I realize that, I, that so much of these were inputs in the way I run the business. Like so many of the things I read back when I was 35 and 40, and I was hungry for information, and I did not know how to run the game did not really know how to play the game. So I was seeking knowledge and I read this tremendous book, Good to Great, and started to do all these things. And now, you know, I haven't really touched it in 10 or 15 or 20 years. And now I'm reading it. I'm going, oh my God, this is where I got it all from. This is how, this is how I, I did it. I mean, well, I, you know, the point you've made, uh, which is good, is you really built your business on, on lessons Lessons from great books like the right. E-Myth, like First Break All the Rules, like yeah. QBQ. QBQ, yeah. And, and so there's this next generation of leaders coming up. Many of them don't like books, by the way. So that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but we have to find a way through uh, Audible. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm giving people both Audible. So it's, it's not inexpensive and it's a pain in the ass, but I'm giving people both Audible copies and paper copies. And then I'm giving them assignments and we're doing these calls. So we've been doing good to great as a, with about 15 people as a senior group. And then for the, for the next group of about 40 people, which represents all of our job leaders, we just spent the last two weeks doing um, QBQ. 
and we're breaking, we're doing these meetings in our operations meeting, we're breaking in breakout groups so that each group is down to now five or eight people. And we're asking them to talk about um, how, you know, how the book has affected them. So I'm getting my field managers to run these groups. And as you know, when you're responsible to facilitate something, you're responsible to talk about it or teach it, you become hyper aware and you learn at a much faster rate. Um, so like, for instance, next week, I'm going to teach everybody emotional intelligence, teach everybody. I'm going to teach my field managers and a couple of the leaders emotional intelligence, which I've already taught them previously in years past. Um, and then the next day, they're going to teach the crew, their crews emotional intelligence, thereby making the session I do for them on Tuesday, they will become hyper learners because they're going to be on the spot the next day to teach it. That's so great. And that's, so they're going to be like structured. really paying attention. <clears throat> we, um, uh, you may have heard our podcast. It came out uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's. So I'm not sure if people got it or not, but go back and listen to the, uh, the book review that the Nolan consulting team did. I loved it. And, yeah. Uh, and it, what was really special about it too, is it, it was led by uh, Sydney Bates, who's a uh, business specialist for us. And, uh, she's, she's this young, um, incredibly valuable uh, part of our team. And um, so that's about a 30-minute discussion. So we now read a book every month or two. We pick a different facilitator, and we'll do a 30-minute uh, podcast on it. So that kind of accountability that people have to come and talk about how, what they learn from it, takeaways, how they're going to activate some of those lessons in their lives. Um, that's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and you know, they, I, I was thinking to myself, Kev, am I overdoing it with just like jamming these things down? Am I overdoing it? Um, and then I realized that first off is my last chance to put this kind of thumbprint impression on what are the mission, vision values and the, and the way we do things. Um, but I also realized that by, by, 15 years ago when I was doing this and this, uh, that book, like I said, and I was focusing on it and I was talking about all these concepts and I know maybe I was talking, maybe some people I was talking over their heads, but other people stood up and they heard the message and I'm surrounded by a really great team of people who heard the message. And matter of fact, they stayed because of the message and they stayed because they thought the message was upbeat, positive, cool, learning, um, opportunistic, had a lot of things going for it. I had a salesperson call me the other day and said, man, I, I totally love that QBQ. Can you recommend another book for me? And I said to him, I got right back to him. He left a message for him and I got right back to him. And I thought, this is the most important thing I can do right now is get him a copy of a book because the guy's hungry. And yeah, when nice. the student is ready, the teacher appears. So the book I got him, Bri, um, was a book we both read is what to say when you talk to yourself. Oh my gosh. That's one of my, uh, that has to be one of my top, top five. I think it was written in 1986. Yeah. It's uh, talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Yeah. And the reason why I gave it to him is because he has um, young children and he's, he's very in tune. And I, I thought, boy, a lot of that book talks about the way your parents talk to you and the way your parents told you how to talk to yourself, what they said and what was ingrained were, where they said, you can't do that, or you can do that, like things like that. Um, yeah. 
So he, I, it really wasn't about me trying to get him to be smart in business. It was really about me trying to, to fulfill his need to learn. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. I felt like super high after the call, just getting off going. Good. You're, I'm going to turn this guy him, on. You're giving him some of the rules of, of the game so he can yeah. play the game well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. As, so and he's I, a salesperson, so it's bound to come in handy. Oh, totally. So I, I think we'll wrap up with, with that as sort of a, a concept of, um, you know, you have a, a playing board. That's your business. You got pieces and messes are going to happen. Wind's going to come and blow your pieces away. People are going to leave. Uh, taxes are going to happen. Uh, mm. Omicron's going to come and go. I hope keep, so. Keep your mind, um, keep keep your mind calm. Slow the world down a little bit and make good decisions. Use your team. Yeah, and and maybe down. you know maybe pick up good to great and and put some good stuff in your head and uh, don't listen to the news. Listen to good to great. Good, good. Well, we'll join you guys again in a few months with, with another episode of Business is Messy. Who knows? what's going to happen between now and then, but I'm sure we'll find a few messes to clean up everybody. And I'm sure things will be getting better. They'll be getting better. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody. Thanks, Thanks, Brian. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.